So there's a lot of conversation in the internet wrestling community about why NXT stars are failing on Raw and SmackDown and why part-timers are taking their spots. We talk about it next on the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, we've talked about this for a week now on the internet. It seems like more and more people are bringing up age as an issue with WWE. And I, I actually took to our community poll here. And I asked people, who needs the most blame for the NXT call-ups not making the best transition to Raw and SmackDown? 87% say it belongs to Vince McMahon. Do you believe or do you agree with the 87%? Uh, I think that Vince McMahon plays a big role in it. I think that Vince McMahon surrounds himself with individuals or hires people who are responsible for creative on the main roster. And ultimately, I think it comes down to a couple of different things. I think it comes down to to booking. I think it comes down to whoever's in charge of creative and, a, and you know, a byproduct of that blame would have to go to Vince because he's the guy who is hiring these people who are in charge of creative on the main roster. And then I think a big part of that or a, a, a certain percentage of that has to be chalked up to the talent as well. So uh, booking creative and, and the talent themselves, uh, that's where I would pin the blame. Now, the talent, that's a good one you bring up because they go through NXT and they're supposed to be developed as TV ready. Now, that includes in-ring, that includes psychology, mm-hmm. knowing where cameras are, and most importantly, promos. Now, a lot of these guys, they get signed by Triple H in their mid-30s or close to their mid-30s, which a lot of people would consider like the peak of the professional wrestler is in that mid-30s. So there's really not much tuning that they really need to do in ring, but some other things they could work on. And it seems like they sign them. They work a few matches there. There's not really much development in ring. And then they go to the main roster and Vince doesn't know what to do with them because there's no real development, at least in the last couple of years. Well, for, for starters, when you're going from NXT to the main roster, it's, it, it really is a big jump for, for starters. NXT, even at its very peak, didn't even have necessarily the same amount of fan base, the same amount of exposure, the same amount of promotion. Uh, it, it's called their developmental system for a reason. There's not mm-hmm. as many people that are viewing it, and maybe even some of the people that will watch NXT aren't going to watch the main roster. So we talk about this all the time. Just because it works for NXT or, or the gimmick or the, the whatever the, the talent may be doing there in NXT... Maybe their shtick works there, but just because you go up to the main roster, you can't automatically assume that it's going to work. Um, as far as developmental and NXT is concerned, you, you, you brought this up, and I was, I'm glad you brought this up, because one of the things I'm going to point out is this. NXT and developmental for WWE and the main roster, for me, is to, to really start to lay the foundation for these guys to get ready for TV. Understanding where the cameras are, understanding how to work in the ring, uh, understanding how to to cut promos and not just like delivering the promo, but where to stand in relation to where the camera angles are, um, knowing how to work uh, on TV. You know, that's that's a big thing, too. And I, I even if you compare it to AEW and the beginning of AEW, they went through some of their struggles where matches had to be cut short uh, because they went long. All those types of things. I think that the guys in NXT and developmental brand of WWE They're learning those things through Triple H and some of the other trainers they have there. The one thing that you can't teach is it factor. You can teach somebody how to deliver a promo. 
You can teach somebody how to search within themselves to pull that it factor out of them if they have it somewhere hidden deep beneath. Um, you could teach somebody how to work a match and work psychology and, and maybe some of them get it and maybe some of them don't, but you can't teach somebody it factor. That's something that just happens um, generically, um, organically, uh, and, and it's not something that Triple H can teach somebody to have. So that's where I say it's on the talent. These guys, when they go up to the main roster, it's on creative to figure out where to best position people to try and pull that it factor out of them based on where they're positioned on a weekly basis on Raw or on SmackDown. But it doesn't mean they're going to be successful because not everybody has that very special talent that everybody's been looking for since, I guess we, you could say, since, the la- since John Cena, since there was that last big megastar. Well, so that's, well hold that's on, where hold I on here. Say. Let me let me just add to this. Now, the it factor, I, I agree 100%. It's something you can't teach. Now, I equate or try to make the analogy to people online about NXT to the main roster is a lot like college football players getting drafted to the NFL. There's times where college football players are, they get, they get to the draft and they're like, oh, this guy's a can't-miss talent. There's no way this guy is going to have a bad career in the NFL and it and they turn out to be a bust or underwhelming or whatever the case may be. This happens with with NXT and WWE as well. Like there's some guys that people feel are can't miss. They go to the main roster and it's just a completely different animal because NXT's audience is like the biggest diehard wrestling fan and they go to the main roster and it's such a diverse casual fan base that Not everybody makes that connection. Now, I know one of the big complaints with some fans is promos and scripted promos. Now, I don't think, I'm not 100% on this, but I don't think they give scripted promos in NXT. Whereas WWE, we know they give scripted promos. But how could some guys be able to take those scripted promos and make them their own Mm -hmm. and then others can't? And they all went through NXT, and some of them have improved as the time went on, as they are on the main roster. I think Roman Reigns or Drew McIntyre, they get scripted promos, and they've gotten better as the time has gone on. But then you have guys like Ricochet, and I think this is why he's not on TV as much, is the guy just, you could just see, he's not confident in what he's saying on television. And I don't know if it's where he's, you know, not given the right promo, or he just doesn't know how to make it his own. I'm glad you brought Ricochet up because whenever, and, and this is not just fans, but this is even some people who, who cover other various podcasts. He's, he's one of the main guys that gets brought up. Mm-hmm. If you're expecting a guy to go to the main roster, especially given the size of him, just because, and I, I don't have a problem with his size or anything like that, or even necessarily the style that he likes to work. Um, but some people will say he's too small, like like the the casual fan. There's there are certain people who are going to look at him and say too small, not believable. I won't watch him. I'm not right. in that group, but some people will say that automatically off the bat. Um, now, as far as his in ring work, everybody knows he's good. Everybody knows he's athletic. Everybody knows that he can work a great match when he's in there, not just with the right person, but with most people. He's done it all throughout his career. Mm-hmm. Where he falls short is pretty much where you're saying with the promos and things of that right. nature, being able to be that, that larger than life figure. Um, 
it's not the first time we've seen athletic guys go into go up to the main roster um, or debut on the main roster, and it just doesn't work out. There's a bunch of guys that can work that style and have worked that style, and doesn't mean they're necessarily as good at that style as Ricochet. But there's been guys like that before. Um, Evan Bourne is an example. I'm sure we can think of other ones, but that's that's one of the guys that come mm-hmm. to mind. Right. Uh, the the aerial style, the fast pace, the fast movie. It doesn't necessarily ensure that you're going to be successful on the main roster. It's very much more so about the entertainment aspect aspect of it. And Edge kind of touched on this and his promo. Uh, the main roster is more about the E in the entertainment because you're ca- trying to cater to the more casual fan mm-hmm. and not the more hardcore fan who's going to focus more on the wrestling aspect of it. That's going to watch the uh, NXT. Um, I, I think the best example of talent in ring versus the ability to go out there and cut promos based on if it's scripted or not, making the fans believe that this is your own, um, you're delivering your own promo, something you thought of off the top of your head, is The Miz and John Morrison. Because mm-hmm. for years, people have been on this warpath about John Morrison uh, not being given opportunities, not being able to go out there and prove that he's one of the best guys in the industry. And in ring, he probably is one of the better guys in the industry. Right. The problem is, much like... Cesaro, much like Ricochet, his personality doesn't match. Now, The Miz is never going to be a guy that people go out there and say that he's going to go out there and get put on a five-star match. But when he wants to deliver a promo, he's going to deliver a promo that one doesn't come across as scripted, whether it's goofy or whether it's supposed to be serious. Um, And he's going to be confident in what he's saying. When they're out there together, it's so obvious that that John Morrison is not confident in coming across across as a goofball and the Miz is confident in what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So that 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 it that to me is a good example of, you know, a guy that's delivering a scripted promo but's confident in himself and a guy that just is not comfortable. Don right. Morrison and, is great in the ring, but that doesn't mean you're going to be successful. Right. And I think another example of this and I think this is a great apples to apples comparison here is because they're the same size, they're the same style one went to NXT, one didn't, and they actually worked a program not too long ago. And I bring back Ricochet into this. It's Ricochet and Mustafa Ali. Now, this is where, you know, people like to put the finger at Vince McMahon and it's booking's fault. But I think every professional wrestler in their career has gone through some form of bad booking, no matter what promotion they work in. If that's WWE, New Japan, AW, MLW, NWA, you know, even the territories, there's been bad booking no matter where it is. This is nothing new. Even in the Attitude Era, there were bad booking. Even in uh, the Golden Era, there was bad booking. But Ricochet, I think his first year in 2019, his if you go back, his booking was not terrible. He had a, a title match at WrestleMania. For the SmackDown tag titles with Aleister Black. He won the United States Championship. Granted, he only had it for 21 days. Uh, had a championship match with AJ Styles. Uh, was part of the elimination for Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. Had a WWE Championship match at the Saudi Arabia show. What was it? Super Showdown? And then after that, he just kind of yeah. faltered. Now, Mustafa Ali has given the horrible hand of retribution. But he's taken that chicken shit and tried to make chicken salad out of it 
Is it great? No, but he's trying to make it so that people will be interested in it. Ricochet, I think, is a guy where it has to be 100% great booking. And if it's not, people are not going to connect with him. And if you don't connect with him, Vince is not going to book you. And one of the things we touched on in our most recent episode is this. Look, there's only going to be one champion, and that means there's only going to be one guy that's going to be able to work a program with him. So that can literally be like the example with Roman and Kevin Owens. That's going on, what, like three months now? And I'm not saying that's good or bad, but that's the reality of the situation. So, okay, four, four months. So last night I'm watching Raw and I see Angel Garza coming out with the Miz and Morrison. And automatically, mm-hmm. like most fans, I'd imagine, were like, you know, what the hell is this? Here we go. Another guy that's going to get wasted. But let's think about this logically for a second. Who's the guy that other than maybe some of the people that are, you know, kind of right there around that main event title, title, title picture that's going to be feuding with, with uh, Drew McIntyre? Who's the guy that at least is getting on TV the most? It might be the Miz. He's going to yeah. have a segment week in and week out because he's got the money in the br- money in the bank briefcase. Now, Angel Garza is an up and comer. He's a guy that I think a lot of people know that he has a lot of promise. Maybe he could be the mm-hmm. next big thing. Maybe he can be a top guy. But at least right now, him being with Miz and Morrison, I'd imagine most fans are going to crap all over that. But thinking about it logically, that now means he's going to have the association with Miz. So that means he's probably going to be in a more prominent role on TV, right. or at least be featured in, in certain situations and spots where, okay, maybe he can start to show some of that, um, that, that, that charisma that a lot of people think he has, maybe show some of that on a weekly basis. So I think a lot of times we're really quick to automatically assume that WWE is going to drop the ball and look rightfully so, because they have done it so many times. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's a situation where we need to take a step back and say, okay, I understand WWE has dropped the ball here, but you know, at least we're going to get Angel Garza in a situation where he's probably going to get on TV on a weekly basis now because he is associated with the Miz or Morrison, whether you like them or hate them. And I'm not big fans of them together, um, separately, maybe fine in their own situations, but at least Angel Garza will get a little more TV time, I'd imagine, out of this instead of just being not used or utilized at all like a ricochet. Now, on the flip side of that, though, you have Damian Priest. And I think some people, some fans are already skeptical about WWE pushing this guy. Yet he goes into the Royal Rumble, has the most eliminations, tied with Biggie with four, eliminates guys like Kane, The Miz, and Morrison, and not only that, is tied with Bad Bunny in this whole this whole storyline. And not to mention, Bad Bunny has the top selling shirt at WWE shop more than any other wrestler. Bad Bunny is outselling all the wrestlers. So Vince, I think, knows what he's doing and trying to get this guy at least relevant and getting him that proper rub. It's weird that it has to be a non-wrestler to get him that rub, but, and I know a lot of people don't know who Bad Bunny is, but you look, if you do some research, the guy is, is a pretty popular name and that's what, that's what WWE needs to do. And I think fans get so impatient where if a guy loses up, oh, they're buried, that's it. And then they see it on social media. And then Vince goes, well, if they're already bitching that he's buried, why am I going to put him on TV? Matt Riddle and yeah. Keith Lee, you know, I know a lot of people say they should be in that spot for the elimination chamber and you can make an argument for it, but it's not like they're buried and not being used. They're in the United States title picture. And it's not like their booking has been bad regardless. I mean, they're prominent roles on Raw. 
But people are like, if they're not in the title picture, they're buried or they lose one match, they're buried. And I think the fans are kind of to blame for this as well. I, I certainly think so. I think that sometimes, especially with WWE, I think people are really quick to jump to conclusions and always assume the worst. And, you know, like I said earlier, maybe rightfully so, because many times WWE has dropped the ball creatively um, as, of, as of late, I think you could say. Now, th- certainly this isn't the first time that WWE has set, had some form of developmental system. They did work mm-hmm. with OVW. I don't right. think they owned OVW, but this was kind of back around when Jim Cornette was running it. And then I think Tommy Dreamer and maybe Al Snow to some certain extent. And you could see the very same thing. Some guys went up to the main roster, Brock Lesnar, Batista, and they thrived because they were put in certain situations where they could show their talent. Now that's where creative has to step in and ensure that they're giving them those opportunities. And I think that's where it falls short in the main roster. Cause you look at a guy like Batista, I think his original gimmick, not in OVW, but coming up to the main roster was Deacon Batista. Yep. Brock Lesnar was always Brock Lesnar. He was always going to get the push because he's just a beast. Um, but with Batista, he had to go and work with uh, Randy Orton and he had to work with Triple H and Ric Flair to become the guy that he eventually became. Um, there's guys that you can point to that came through OVW that went up to the main roster that didn't necessarily live up to the expectation. Um, this guy, most of the people in the spirit squad, I think, came through OVW. Yeah, I, uh, think so Ziggler, I think most people could say that. He's had a, a fairly decent run, but, you know, he hasn't necessarily lived up to some people's expectations. John Morrison is another guy, I think, that came up through OVW. Uh, the Bashams, a lot of people were talking about them coming up through developmental. And, you know, nobody talks about them now. They certainly didn't have a lasting impact. So it's not just on developmental, whether it's NXT or OVW or anywhere else, to say, okay, once you get to the main roster, you're going to have immediate success. That's right. just like, that's like, this is where the work starts. Bianca Belair winning the Royal Rumble isn't ensuring that she's going to be a success. Yeah, the charisma's, the charisma's there, the athleticism's there. But this is where the work starts. This is where you got to prove that you're capable of her- making that next hurdle mm-hmm. and becoming that superstar, that megastar, the person that can carry the title. Um, so yeah, that's, that's uh, where I think developmental and creative uh, need to try to, change things up a bit and put people in better positions to, to, to meet that, that their, their peak. Um, uh, how do I put this? Their, their peak um, potential. I don't know. To meet their full potential. Right now I will say this, you know, for NXT and a lot of people will make the argument, you know, all these people have come out of NXT, whether that's Roman or Seth or Biggie. And and like, there's this big giant list of NXT guys that actually end up being stars or focal points on the main roster. Now, a lot of the ones that you name went through FCW first and were just at the tail end of Mm -hmm. FCW and the beginning of NXT. And really the triple H vision of NXT didn't really start until let's say 2015, 2016, and Dusty Rhodes had passed away and the head trainer was no longer Dr. Tom Pritchard. It was Bill DeMont and now Matt Bloom. Since then, can you really say, at least on the men's side, someone coming up to the main roster after like 2015, 2016, and had made a lasting impact 
on the main roster. The only guys I could think of are Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. And Kevin Owens is like not like now is having like possibly his best feud ever, but has always been in the main title picture. Sami Zayn, I think, is a great upper mid card guy, and he's finally seeing that full potential. But people want him to be like the ultimate baby face. But I think Vince is like, no, this guy is actually an obnoxious heel. And Sami Zayn is doing amazing work as that heel. But other than that, like Drew McIntyre, he didn't even really go through NXT. He did all his work in the indies. So that's where I say this could be a development system problem. I mean, I wouldn't go that far. And the reason I would say that is because, because of this. I mean, whether it's, whether it's guys working the indie scene and being brought right to Raw or SmackDown or, or Dynamite or wherever they end up going, it doesn't mean that they're going to be an automatic success story. Uh, right. It doesn't mean that they're going to have that it factor that's going to translate. And it's not on Triple H to train somebody to, to have that it factor. Um, no, I'm not saying that. It's two different things. I'm not saying that, but shouldn't they be able to teach at least whatever the, is coachable? Like how to, how to work a promo, how to read the script and make it your own, how to work the cameras, stuff like that. That's the stuff they should be teaching in NXT. And I think they do. I think they, they do. They do. But I feel like a lot of them, a lot of the guys that are great in ring. Can you really say they've developed in NXT? Or are they just the same wrestler? Have any of them really improved in promos before they go to the main roster? It's hard to really say. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure they work on it and I, I know they work on it because I've seen some of the documentaries that get produced and, you know, I, I've heard some of the podcasts and interviews where they talk about having to go through acting classes and stuff like that. Uh, I know they're working on it and I think mm-hmm. just some people are naturally better at it. And it's just right. one of those things like you, Cesaro can go to as many acting classes as he wants. He may just be, that may just be his shortcoming. That may just be the thing that he's not going to ever be very, very good at. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same could be said for Ricochet. Maybe the same could be said for some other guys. And on the ta- on the flip side of that, some guys are going to go out there and be able to have great matches every single night. And some of the other guys just can't live up to that, but they're they're great on the mic and they're extremely charismatic. Um, <clears throat> you know, we talk about this all the time. Hulk Hogan was never the best ring technician unless he was in Japan, um, but he just had that had that charisma. Uh, you can't teach that. I don't care if you go to NXT or go to uh, work in it with, with Cody Rhodes at the, the nightmare factory or work on dark or go to Japan. You either have it or you don't, you either mm-hmm. find that niche thing. That's going to get you to that point where you're going to be crazy over um, or you're not. I mean, Kevin Owens, I think is a guy who can go out there. He can cut great promos. He can work really good in the ring. Um, and maybe he was always that guy. Um, Eddie Kingston, I, I, you know, he worked the independent scene, but he's a guy that can go out there, cut great promos, have good matches. Did anybody teach him that? I don't know. Maybe he learned it himself. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily on triple H and developmental to teach them all of that. I think they have to kind of explore it themselves and figure out where they're comfortable and figure out where they're confident. And just some of the guys or girls for that matter are never going to get to that point in my opinion. Right. So I'll close with this question. Now, it was announced on Raw this week that the WWE Championship is going to be defended. Drew McIntyre will be going in the chamber against Sheamus, The Miz, 
AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy, and Randy Orton, all former WWE champions, but also all 40 years old or older. Is that a problem? And how does WWE address this so they don't have this problem again, if it is one? It's not a problem. It was never a problem until Edge won the Royal Rumble. It was never a problem until guys like Goldberg started winning championship matches, which, mind you, they should have never have won those championship matches. You can argue that maybe they should have been, Goldberg could have been in those matches, but arguably won. Uh, I, I think not. But this, all, this whole conversation about part-time guys and older guys being put in certain positions really started to catch uh, hold when Edge won the Royal Rumble. Uh, and, and, and here's the thing. Edge is right now defined as a part-time wrestler by you know some members in the IWC based on an assumption that this guy isn't going to go out there and continue to work. Now, let's look at Edge as the example, because if it started with him, and this is where the conversation really started, Edge is only, I guess you would consider him part-time wrestler or a guy who stepped away from wrestling because of his neck injury. And, and that, that's the truth. He right. had to step away from pro wrestling when he was the champion because of his neck. He worked his ass off to come back. Unfortunately, he got hurt again. That shouldn't be something that defines him as a part-time wrestler or performer, especially considering he's been at every show and worked every show since he's been back. Mm -hmm. The story on, on Edge's career, whether he wins the title or loses the title, isn't, isn't you know, the conclusion hasn't been written yet. So we can't say he's a part-time wrestler without knowing his full body of work since his return. Yes, he came back. He started to work and he got hurt again. That's unfortunate, but the story is not is not concluded with Edge's return. Uh, a couple of other examples I just want to throw out there to put things into perspective, because right now I feel like it's really easy for people to crap on WWE. And again, sometimes rightfully so. Uh, were those same people saying those things about the part time older Chris Jericho when he went over to New Japan and challenged for titles? Probably not. A lot of people were excited about his matches against Kenny Omega, some of his matches against Naito, he won a championship as a part-time wrestler and ultimately left New Japan Pro Wrestling. He worked like what five matches, and I think he was 48. I think he was a little older than a little older than um, Edge, who's who's uh, I think 47. When he, when he wrestled Omega, he was I think 47, and then he had his matches with Naito and Okada. He was 48. Yep, and 49 against Tanahashi. But do, do you see where this, this conversation is now flawed? Because we're going to crap on a guy who's come back from injury who wor who supposedly, the assumption is he's going to work part-time, and those are the two knocks. He's older and he's going to work part-time. But everybody was so excited when Chris Jericho went back to work in New Japan Pro Wrestling mm -hmm. and work with the likes of Kenny Omega. It's, it's so identical and so literally the same exact thing. The other thing, uh, Sting, whether you want to look at what he's doing currently in AEW, and I know people are going to say, well, he's there every week. Yeah, well, Edge has been there every single show he's been you know, booked on so far. But the better example is this. Sting challenged Seth Rollins for the championship when he had to have been 50-something years old, because that wasn't too long ago, five, six years ago. So Let's he see. was in so his he, 50s. He's, 60, he's 61 now. That was 2015. So... 21 minus 15, that is 6, so 61 minus 6, 55. Okay, so he was 55, so he was older mm -hmm. than Edge. Yes. Um, and a part-time wrestler, part-time yes. performer. Now, 
People were certainly excited about that because it was fresh. It was new. Uh, he had not worked in WWE. Um, at least, you know, obviously the match with Triple H before that, but they wanted to see this story. They wanted to see mm-hmm. Sting challenge for the title. If the guy can wrestle and not just Edge, but any, but any older wrestler, Jericho, Sting, if they're cleared to wrestle and they can still go out there and perform and the story makes sense, why do people take exception with this? It's just It just seems like it's just a silly narrative to push, especially think- considering when some of the older guys in the industry, Ric Flair's, Hulk Hogan's, uh, whoever else you want to talk about, have had such success in the industry in their older age. It's just, it think, doesn't make sense. I think the issue lies in the fact that people think you don't need them anymore. Like when Sting challenged Seth Rollins, you could, I guess, make the argument that the the roster wasn't as deep. So maybe having Sting there for a night of champions main event to help solidify Rollins title run. But now when you have all these NXT guys and all these underutilized guys, they feel like we don't need Goldberg. We don't need Sting. We don't need Triple H. We don't need Edge. We have Matt Riddle. We have Keith Lee. We have Drew McIntyre. We have Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Big E. That There's no reason for this. But the counter argument is it's business. And as great of a wrestler someone could be, if you're not drawing money, you're not drawing money. And that's, that's the thing. Now, I think if you give them an opportunity, it's up on the wrestler to, to show that they're going to matter when their, their time is on. I think Matt Riddle could be a guy like that. I think Damian Priest, they're obviously giving the ball. Uh, Keith Lee, Sami Zayn, Big E are finally getting some opportunities. Kevin Owens, you know, so it's there, but you can't just focus on one match. Yeah. That's where the yep. fans. That's where the fans are at fault here. Vince McMahon could definitely book the show better. I'm not saying it's all. It's you know not booking. I think Triple H can work on some things in the developmental system, but I also think at the end of the day, it's just the nature of the business. And when you talk about business and you talk about having matches on bigger stages, like Edge is going to have. Let's let's assume it's against Drew McIntyre, right? Mm-hmm. We always talk about Goldberg being this guy that's going to bury everybody. He buried the fiend. He buried Kevin Owens. That's always the narrative. Well, what about edge who might be coming back to give back to the industry? Now let's assume that he goes to WrestleMania. He main events him and drew McIntyre steal the show. They have a great match and he puts over drew McIntyre or that's now that or whoever. And and that's now a guy, a legend, a guy that's going to, that's inducted into the WWE hall of fame. Who's putting somebody over on his way out the door. I mean, you know what edge might have a couple of years left in it. That's giving back to the industry. That's giving mm-hmm. back to the business. I, I right. don't have a problem with it. I wouldn't have a problem with it. If he, if it culminated with him winning the title and then he dropped the title to somebody that's a young up and comer. Um, but I think sometimes we need to pump the brakes, enjoy the story, especially considering, you know, it's been proven time and time again, age is just a number, especially in pro wrestling. Ric Flair went out there in his retirement match against Shawn Michaels stole the show. Nobody complained about it. Nobody. Right. Now, um, I, I, I think right now we're at a stage like, I think Edge and Chris Jericho are very similar roles in their respective promotions. They are past their prime in their late 40s, could still go in the ring, and I think want to offer the next generation their wisdom. And there's nothing wrong with either one of them. Should they be in championship matches? You could debate yes, you could debate no, but at the end of the day, they're there. 
And as long as they're drawing money, they're drawing money. And as long as they're drawing ratings, they're drawing ratings. And as long as they are helping their respective promotion, why should we as fans knock that? And I think the NXT stars, let's let's be a little more patient. You know, we can't give these guys three months and if, you know, one one bad booking or one loss, we can't yeah. lose hope. And that's what's that's what's got to stop. So we'll see. You know, time will tell. But let us know what you guys think. Who is to blame for why NXT fails to get their stars transitioned to Raw and SmackDown? Don't forget to share us all over social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at SCPB Podcast. Subscribe. Hit that bell for notifications. We'll talk to you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psychobabble.